Hello, this is FTW with Imad Khan, part of the Dot Esports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Imad Khan of CNET. Due to the ongoing war between Ukraine and Russia, much of the esports industry, along with most nations, have showed support for Ukraine. This has included sending donations to humanitarian efforts and major condemnations of Russia's actions. From Riot Games to Pokemon Go creator Niantic, all have pledged to give money in an effort to help Ukrainians as shelling increases in major cities. The economic boycott of Russia has expanded beyond Facebook and Netflix. Tournament organizers have also banned some Russian teams from competing in events. Events that were supposed to take place in the CIS region, which includes Russia, have been cancelled. Returning to the show to break this all down is freelance reporter for Dot Esports, Mateus Meider. Mateus, thanks for coming on the show. Hi, I'm happy to be back here again. Yeah, so it seems that from our last episode, a lot has developed. And let's start off right at the top. Which events and which tournaments have essentially been cancelled, or which teams have also been kind of like uh, told not to compete because of the ongoing situation between Russia and Ukraine? Yeah, as you said, uh, we've uh, ta- last time we've talked was uh, a week ago, and uh, I remember that we were saying that esports was basically on hold. Uh, no tournament organizer or a- any like esports company took ma- many actions, with a few exceptions here and there. But uh, there were basically no bigger moves uh, a week ago, and now we are seeing that the scene is waking up and starting to react. And what's interesting is that. Mm, Everyone is kind of reacting on their own because I'm, I'm going to use like sports uh, comparisons a lot because uh, it's affecting uh, sports scene, I'd say, a lot, especially since then I'm in Poland and, I'm, and I see what Poland national team, uh, or rather national teams in many sports are doing, which, are, which is basically cancelling uh, any like competition uh, in which they w- would play against Russia or Russian uh, representation on, or Russian players. But... Uh, yeah, there there has been there have been many different moves. For example, there has been a Brawl Stars tournament, which I've heard has been cancelled due to the situation, or rather due to war in Ukraine. Um, I mostly uh, focus on League of Legends and CS:GO, so I can tell, or rather, uh, talk mostly about uh, those two titles. In League of Legends, for example, LCL Spring uh, Split has been put on hold from what I'm seeing. I haven't followed it all that much, but today I've took a glimpse into the Leakpedia page of the league, and I've uh, I've realized that week three and week four uh, haven't started at all, and their date is to be determined. And week five was scheduled to take place uh, this week, so I guess that the reason is that because because of the war in uh, Ukraine, uh, Riot is donating a large amount of money. Uh, from what I read, it's one million dollars. And what's more, it's be, it's it has launched uh, an in-game fundraiser across uh, like most of his titles. It was League of Legends, Valorant, uh, TFT, uh, Legends, Zuntera, and Wild Rift. Uh, so they are like trying to raise as much money as they can to help uh, the non-profit organizations that are right now focusing on aiding Ukrainians, which is great. And in uh, CS. We've seen different approaches. For example, Blast uh, Premier, which is one of the major, rather the biggest organizers, uh, tournament organizer in in CS:GO, has banned all Bla- uh, Russian uh, teams uh, from uh, Russian-based teams, sorry, from uh, participating in their tournaments. Mm, the CIS qualifier for Blast Premier 
uh, which is set to, to take place was on, uh, of course cancelled due to war and uh, the biggest thing or rather the thing that caused the biggest well, stir you know was... before be, uh, actually mm-hmm. I, I did have one question if you if, if i could interject really quick um sure. yeah all, all, all these you know organizers essentially banning russian teams uh, have in their statements are they saying essentially that we're trying to exert pressure on you know uh, russian industries or even uh, russian citizens russian fans to demand change from their government is like what are the statements that they're putting out to justify these uh these halts or bans to be honest i feel like they're not like super they're not underlining that uh, they are doing that to cause russian citizens and russian players in that case or employees of those russian organizations to force some changes or stopping the war on their government in the in, in esl's statement for example they say that they recognize the players are not complicit with the situation uh, and we do not think it is in the spirit of esports to impose sanctions on individual players uh, but still uh, they they made a decision to uh, to cut, uh, cut any ties uh, with, the, with the organizations that, that have any ties to the russian government including individuals and organizations. So, yeah, yeah but f- from my personal opinion, I don't feel like any uh, organization has made it like uh, crystal clear that they are doing so um, to do as you said, as you asked, which uh, is kind of weird for me. It's kind of like, it's it's obvious. A- anyone can tell that it's obvious to, I mean, in, in my opinion, it's uh, obvious that the reason that not only in esports but the whole world is implying those sanctions on the Russian uh, organizations, companies, firms, banks, and etc., is to impose um, such pressure uh, on on normal citizens so they can furthermore uh, create pressure on their government to change. Yeah, and and in esports, to be honest, it's not that expressed expressed as much as I thought it would be. But there is some controversy going around uh, regarding Virtus Pro, correct? True. That's very correct. Yeah, so what's going on there? So basically, the case was is very simple. Uh, ESL uh, has took a stand. Uh, they actually took a few days uh, to, to make a statement, which is completely understandable because not this, but a weekend before, there, was a, there were IEM Katowice playoffs, uh, which began a day after the war began. So they kind of had to take like a few days to close the event and think about it. So it's completely understandable that they took a few days uh, to release uh, the statement. So this week, ESL Pro League, which is one of the major tournaments, uh, or one of the biggest, because it's not major as per organized partly by Valve, but one of the biggest tournaments and leagues in CSGO um, is starting this week. And two uh, Russian organizations were set to take part in this season, Virtus Pro and Gun PT Sports. And to quote ESL's statement, we made the decision that organizations with apparent ties to the Russian government, including individuals or organizations under alleged or confirmed EU sanctions related to the conflict, will not be allowed to be represented. Currently, we identified two teams, Virtus.pro and Gambit, and what's more, they later said that, but the players themselves are not like responsible for everything that's been going on. So the players themselves are allowed uh, to take part in the tournament as long as they don't represent 
Russia as a country or the organizations they are currently in. So basically, they said that Gambit and, and Virtus Pro players can take part in the upcoming ESL Pro League uh, if they're playing under uh, like neutral banner, I'd say. Yeah, and so no more Russian flags, essentially? Yeah, yeah, uh, that's true. And Gambit hasn't responded at all, but Virtus Pro has responded. And um, the organization said it's disagreeing with the approach ESL is taking. Um, and shortly speaking, has, it has called it uh, a part, a prime example of cancel culture. I believe that's even a quote what they said in the in their statement, uh, <clears throat> which, to be honest, is totally obnoxious. I don't even know how to call it. It's, I mean, it's a it's a part of sanctions that every non-Russian, rather, or non not not tied with Russian country and company is imposing. Uh, in the world, so uh, I don't see anything wrong with it, but they have called it so uh, that way. But they have shown a glimpse of like humanity or rather uh, good approach by saying that in the end it's gonna be the players' decision if they wanna take part in the ESL Pro League season 15 or not. And uh, following today's news, or I think it was it wasn't confirmed uh, by the organization. Uh, themselves itself. According to a report from Dexero, uh, Virtus Pro players will take part in the ESL Pro League, but under outsiders tag. I mean, are the players or the team are they happy with the outsiders tag as long as they get to compete, or do they feel that this is a major insult to, you know, their nationality or to their country and government? As I said, no. Like there, there haven't been any uh, opinions from the players' side so far. And then when it comes to, let, let's say, Russian fans or... It, I, mean, I guess it's really hard to get a sense of what Russian fans are thinking, at least esports fans are, are thinking of all of this. Do they see this as, you know... I mean, have you had done any reporting on uh, the reactions within the country? Yes. And I'd say that from my point of view, it's I, I got a deeper look into the reactions of the fans and of the people because I've been to IEM Katowice mm, last weekend and yeah. I've talked with uh, uh, normal attendees, normal people that were there to en enjoy the, the event and many of them, uh, unfortunately, they said that the case was so like delicate and so um, like important at the same time, they don't want to get recorded, uh, but they can talk uh, about it with me. Sure, sure, uh, sure. So I've talked with, I'd say in the end, uh, with about 15 to 20 people, and the opinions were different. Some were saying, especially Polish uh, people, uh, which know, uh, who know that every, uh, who know that those sanctions for Russia are also uh, appearing in other spaces, in other branches of the world. Uh, especially Polish citizens, they said that the Russian players should be banned from all esports, no exceptions, um, because they felt like if if the whole world is whole world is going in that direction, then esports should do it as well. Uh, mm -hmm. Especially if esports want to be like you know, people have often t told me that we as an esports want to be something more than just playing games, and if we want to do so. We must stand up and prove that we are uh, 
also like taking a solid stance on such an important matter. Uh, but again, there are there were some fans uh, that didn't agree with it and said that only Russian-based organizations uh, should be banned, which is basically what's happening uh, in some uh, in some uh, esports uh, titles. Did uh, were you able to speak with any I, I guess Russian attendees? Not really, not Russian, but I uh, I was able to speak with some of the Ukrainian attendees. Sure. Uh, but unfortunately. Uh, I've sp- I, I found two groups of Ukrainian attendees and uh, explained them that I'm uh, here on behalf of Top Sports and I'm trying to like collect uh, material for uh, for the podcast that we're having, etc. And I wanted to know I want to know your opinion on the whole situation, etc. How can it impact uh, esports? And they refused to talk to me because they said that this event the war that's going on uh, and everything that follows with it uh, is so like devastating for them they don't mm-hmm. uh, they they've came here to Katowice to basically have a sense a, a way to escape what's going on because they were mm-hmm. so terrified and they didn't want to talk uh, about it with me you know this is i guess this is just my own curiosity but you know if uh, if you were to as a reporter try to get some russian perspective within the country i mean uh, how would you go about doing that? I mean, it seems that the the state is cracking down quite heavily on dissent at the moment. Um, I mean, there are many people in Russia who are protesting the war itself. I mean, sure, there are supporters of the war, uh, just like there is with uh, any major conflict. But um, I mean, how, as a European reporter that mm-hmm. ha- oftentimes might have to like deal with uh, one neighboring country, i.e. Russia, that has very strict control on media and free speech. I mean, how do you go about trying to get those perspectives? It's a difficult question, to be honest, because uh, Russian government, uh, from I've, from what I've been reading and hearing on radio and watching on TV, um, Russian government is strictly like making sure that people in Russia are uh, punished if they are, if they go out to the streets yeah. and uh, and protest or if they um, there 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 has been last week uh, the go- Russian government or even Vladimir Putin, I don't know if I read Russian government or Putin himself, uh, yeah. said that from now on, everyone that is uh, saying like fake news or or spreading uh, misinformation about Russian uh, army and our actions in Ukraine uh, will, can be put in jail for 15 years. Wow. So, you know, in Russia, all in all, in Russia, there's this such strong propaganda machine that's going on. And also, uh, they've been like blocking major social media because from what I know, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram are uh, offline right now in Russia, mm-hmm. while TikTok uh, has been like put on hold uh, and you can only message others on TikTok from what I've read. So, you know, it's such a strong mechanism that I feel like if I were to reach out to any Russian players that aren't that are in, or rather that are in Russia uh, to speak out on this situation, I strongly believe that none of them would do so because they're basically in the end would be risking their own lives or, or a few years of freedom. Is there is there, I mean how does I guess you know independent reporting now enter Russia from overseas if uh, if all these you know, avenues are being cut off. I mean, is Twitch, YouTube gaming, some of these 
streaming sites are, are are they still allowed? And if so, I mean, is that how information is getting in? Uh, I haven't read anything about Twitch or uh, YouTube gaming uh, getting blocked uh, or, or banned in China, uh, not China, but Russia. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess they are still working, but answering the question, how how does one get a proper, like, believable material or source uh, about what's happening in Russia? It's tough to answer. I know since the war began, there has been, like, a line of journalists from different outlets from around the world, like BBC or CNN, mm -hmm. that were in Moscow and were reporting like the economic downfall and the social protests that were uh, appearing on the streets. Uh, and I guess they are still ar allowed to be here. I don't know. I mean, it's at the same time, it's there are so many informations coming to you ev every minute about the world that's been going on. It's hard to filter all the stuff uh, you, you have access to. So. It's, it's tough to answer. The simple video uh, about Virtus.pro that I uh, threw in the in our chat on Slack, I don't know how correct the translation is, but in this video he basically says that he was in Katowice when the war began, obviously because he was at IEM. Yeah. And he says he was with uh, a Virtus.pro manager, which was Russian, uh, which is Russian, born in St. Petersburg, and with uh, Natus Vincere's uh, cameraman, and when the war began, the cameraman uh, supposedly started crying uh, mm -hmm. because his wife was left alone in somewhere in, in the country. And uh, Virtus, I, Virtus Pro as an organization uh, supposedly said that here's a, new, uh, a refugee center or, or, or like something like this in Katowice, you can enter it. And the Virtus Pro manager himself uh, like tried to support him uh, with emotions as a person, which adds in a perspective that sure we're banning organizations and organizations like Virtus Pro in this example is showing um, forms of basic supports, uh, support that doesn't take like any uh, any action or uh, or or strength or like um, time to put in, but uh, the individuals. Uh, even though they are connected to, to Russian organizations like the Virtus Pro manager in the video um, in which Simple was talking, show that they have emotions. So this is a, a unique perspective because in the end, yeah, teams and organizations have been have been banning Russian-based organizations uh, and there has been this discussion, should we ban uh, Russian individuals or not? And this kind of shows you the difference between mm. those two. And uh, Mateus, so, you know, the Ukrainian government has essentially called on all men between the ages of 18 and 60 to, you know, come back and fight for, for their country. What does that mean for uh, Ukrainian esports players? How, are they flying back to go fight? I haven't seen any information about Ukrainian players flying back to the country. Uh, mm -hmm. But they are, as you said, they are uh, allowed to. I know they are allowed to because in Poland, like, we have a lot of news every day that uh, Ukrainians, some Ukrainian uh, people are crossing back to the country uh, yeah. simply to fight back. Ukraine uh, itself, as uh, the, gov the Ukrainian government, uh, when the war began, uh, has said that no, uh, no male can uh, uh, like escape the country if they're aged between 18 to 60. Uh, yeah. They have to. They have to go to the army and like enlist themselves to fight with Russia. I've seen I've seen uh, a lot of sports personalities uh, do so, like 
for example, there's Sheriff Tiraspol. It's a, a football or rather soccer team in, in Moldavia. Uh, mm-hmm. It has been popular, for example, for beating Real Madrid. I guess it was a, a year or two years ago. Mm-hmm. And its former manager, which was Ukrainian, was Ukrainian, returned to Ukraine, and there have been photos of him uh, in in uh, military suit, um, posing for to a photo showing that he's returned uh, to fight. So I haven't seen any esports personalities do so so far. But in the end, you know, esports personalities, esports players. Uh, are in the end like kids aged 18, 19, um, 20 yeah. uh, or, or so. So it's not that surprising because if if the same thing happened, if I was if if I were in their place, I would be as stunned and as uh, scared to do so as well. Well, with that, um, thank you so much for returning to the show. Thank you for having me. And that was FTW with Ahmad Khan, part of the .esports podcast network. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and share. For full transcripts of the show, head on over to ftwimad.com. To follow Mateus and keep up to date on the situation involving Ukraine, follow him at Miter Mateus on Twitter. That's M-I-T-E-R-M-A-T-E-U-S-Z. To follow me and my work over at CNET, you can find me at Imad on Twitter. This episode was produced by Enrique Demore. The show's executive producer is Kevin Morris. Our research assistant is Sam Higgins. With that, we'll catch you guys next week.